Hey, kind listener, it's Jeff from The Other Kind Radio. No need to be alarmed. We have a full show for you today. Um, but for those audiophiles out there, I'm talking to you, Beaker. Um, I realized after recording the entire show that I had not EQ'd my microphone. So uh, I think it's it'll pass. We'll be okay. We'll still, uh, we'll still have it out there for broadcast. But I just wanted to make everybody aware that I have since fixed that. And we'll hopefully have it uh, fixed for future broadcasts. So uh, sit back. Relax and enjoy this episode of The Other Kind Radio. Studios here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's time for another edition of the Other Kind Radio Talk Radio. This is episode 55. I think so. So confused on that. It is the 23rd of June, 2019. The Other Kind Radio is a weekly podcast where pop culture is talked about, discussed, shared with the kind listener. You guys give us feedback, and we have this thing called a uh, podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your hosts. If you are a returning kind listener, welcome back. We hope you had a good week, and thank you for repeatedly the lending us your ears. For those of you who are a first-time listener, congratulations the on navigating the podcast maze to find us. There's a lot of podcasts out there. We're glad that you're here and uh, want you to enjoy the show. As always, we encourage listeners to like, subscribe, rate our show on whatever format that you're listening on, as it helps the helps feed that algorithm uh, which keeps the podcast universe spinning and our show and its gravitational pull. So thank you and welcome back. Make sure you check us out on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and as always, electronic mail. If you open up your uh, electronic mail software and type info at the other kind com in the to field, we'll get your message. It's crazy. It's crazy. And, and along those lines, we have some, um, some upcoming news um, one of which is we are going to be on Twitch pretty soon, so watch out for that. And then also I think we're going to get a phone line where you guys can call and leave us voice messages if you want. Good old voicemail. And then we'll uh, play them and listen to them on the show. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, before we get things started, and we are under a crunch today because we are running on battery power. Folks, this this is a battery-powered show, so we got, we got to go quick. Otherwise, we'll just lose Todd. And it'll be me just rambling like I am right now. But before we get things started, I want to send a shout out uh, to a longtime friend. Uh, Jay Fro and I go way back in the day uh, and we're actually DJ partners together. So if you were uh, <clears throat> in the uh, Omaha area early to mid 90s and we're at a bar mitzvah or a bar mitzvah or a high school dance, you might have seen the Jay Fro Jeffrey G duo DJ team. He called me out of the blue and said he was listening to the show on some drives that he had. And, uh, he first opened up the line. I didn't understand what he was saying, but he was said he was afraid about, he was concerned about my wheezing. And that's something I'm self-conscious about. And I listen to the show and I know when I laugh, I've kind of got that wheezy laugh. So, um, I will try and refrain from doing it. 
Um, but it's it's just kind of the way I laugh. Um, but he had some nice words about the show, and, and we thank you for uh, listening, Jay. And um, uh, please continue and, and give us any other feedback you have. Um, but, you know, let's point it at Todd. He, he's got a lot to work on. Anyway, on today's show, we're going to have some headlines. Todd Stakon is going to be a new Springsteen album. Uh, my Jeff's Judgment is going to be on a new Netflix show called Awake. And on center stage, we're going to do a little uh, yin and yang, a little sweet and savory. We're going to talk about the show that's breaking all kinds of records on Netflix called Murder Mystery. It's got Adam Sandler. It's got Jennifer Aniston. And then we're also going to talk about the HBO uh, show Chernobyl which uh, also is getting lots of press and talk um, out and about. So with all that being said, let's bring on uh, the better portion of the show. He has been described as a, and I'm transitioning here. He's been described as a family generator, movie maker, guitar player, drum major, book author, dive bar boombox member, an all-around renaissance guy, live from his studio somewhere near but not in or located specifically around the town of Dallas. Let's give a warm welcome to Todd. My God, children, children, please. (laughs) You know, I'm here every week and I appreciate the enthusiasm. I'm really not sure if that after that introduction it seems like many of those things sort of cancel each other out. You know, it's, do I even exist? Cause I'm not in or about Dallas, but I'm kind of there. Right. And you're transitioning. Is that what I said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you watched euphoria with me and then you're, you're now transitioning. Sorry. A little inside joke. There, I was, folks. yeah. Uh, no, I was trying. <laughs> that's funny. I was trying to get my, um, <laughs> I was trying to get my arrow, from one screen to the other. Uh, for those uh, kind listeners that know that I'm a super geek, I found a keyboard and mouse, wireless keyboard and mouse, that will let you use the same keyboard and mouse over two different computers wirelessly. So you can go from my, my Windows machine to my Mac, and it it's kind of a, you have to hit a button and do some stuff, and, and that is always a nervous time for me because I never know when I'm going to be able to get my, my, my uh, mouse back. You do it very well, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you. But um, yes, I was transitioning. Uh, I have finished the transition and I'm back. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Yes, me too. Todd, tell me about your week. What'd you do? Oh, you know, it was a big week that led up to a dive bar boombox concert on Ooh. Friday night at a festival here in Allen. There, there apparently is a national what's called Make Music Day, and they try to get all these people. It's not about just professional acts. It's anybody that wants to pick up an instrument. Please come to this event, schedule time and just do what you want to do. And mm. so there's a place here called Waters Creek and it is a shopping village, but they've done a really cool thing with when it's called Waters Creek. It has a creek running through it and they've done all this sculpting to make it very cool. And so you would literally have kids on a corner of this shopping center who've never really played before people and they were playing in front of you know, five, 10 people listening to them. And, and everyone was very cordial. Those, those people with the, the, the first times out and they put us on the, what they called the secondary main stage. There was a main stage just down the way and they had this other area and we had a lot of people come out and, um, and listen, it was a great event. It was hot as sin. Um, but it went really well to the point that we, it looks like they also do a series of concerts called concerts on the Creek and they've asked us to play next year. So 
they're, they're already booked up for this year. That's why we didn't get the this year book, but it went well. Good. And and I did check your, your page on YouTube for Dive Bar Boombox, and I see that you don't have any additional um, videos yet. No. But I'm no, waiting. I, I'm waiting. I, and so am I. I'm, somebody's got to shoot another video for me because I can't do everything. Right, right. I'm kidding. And, no, we we uh, we play House of Blues this weekend, and ooh. I'm actually going to set up some some cameras and Good. shoot a little video there. I'm so I'm so happy that that's 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 what you're doing, and it's working out. I mean, it's um you know just like with the podcast here, getting getting to do something. You know, um, we've uh, had a few new listeners, and people were asking like, why why do you do that and all that? And it's you know it's just something you enjoy doing. So. Uh, continued well, success to you, you say working out and you're right i mean that's that's half of what this is is that you try so many of these things and yeah. <clears throat> where do you go when they fall apart you try all these things that's right so i've been in countless bands it's good to have one that's getting this level of success right and and you build a studio and you you hold about 50 some odd podcasts in it and then you decide you want to redesign it and then <laughs> <laughs> and then you can't there's that laugh jay jay fro then you decide to, to redo everything and at some point i'll go through some of what i've got in here but i got a new toy there's this uh, new um thing that's out there called the go lxr and it's basically um marketed more towards twitch streamers um but basically it's a combo mixer uh combo uh special effects so we'll have some fun with that stuff so basically, it'll be a big annoying thing for uh, Todd to say, you know what, quit around and just let's do the podcast. Um, as for me, uh, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Woohoo! So uh, we were talking at the pre-show exactly one week from yesterday. We'll have the original, the other kind radio crew all together. We're going to have Todd. We're going to have Steve and myself. And we're going to be getting together and, and uh, sharing some vacation time and eating some grub and stuff. I'm very excited about it. For the kind listeners that follow us on Twitter and Instagram, I am going to be, because I just received them in the mail yesterday, new business cards. So I'm going to be leaving those and posting pictures of where we're leaving them uh, as we drive across the country on our vacation. So I'm excited about that. All right, let's get out. I can't remember what uh, sound effect I signed it to. This is the beautiful thing. Let's see. What does this one do? Oh, that's the chair. What's this one? That's the regular keyboard. There we go. There's the aggressive typewriter. Let's get it out. What do you say, Todd? Let's do some headlines. Do it. So we really don't have any, like, uh, huge, huge news to drop on you, but... Um, uh, just a couple things that caught my my eye, and especially nowadays with the superlatives that are used in headlines, it just kind of cracks me up. So I'm I'm scanning the web as I do for the kind listener, and uh, I see the following headline: Kevin Costner drops bombshell about iconic The Bodyguard poster. Ooh, I'm like, okay, what is it? I mean, I, we know Whitney unfortunately had you know some issues and 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 died uh, a little early in her career. Um, but I'm thinking it's got something like that. And it turns out, and this is off of Yahoo Entertainment. That the, Never trust them. You're right. The iconic picture where Kevin Costner is walking and he has uh, what seems to be Whitney Houston in his arms uh, with her head buried in his neck. Um, turns out, brace yourself, uh, that, that's, that's not Whitney Houston. I saw this too, Jeff, and you know, 
You know, it's a slow news week when something like that actually <laughs> hits. And and I want to be real fair. If you, for those of you that don't know, and I'm going to just be uh, completely blunt, I tease the Yahoo stuff because that's actually the company I work for. So oh, was, okay. I'm teasing them. So for <laughs> listeners who don't know that that's the company I work for Yahoo and, and I absolutely do trust them. The folks over there are great people and they do a great job. So, yeah. So how important is it? It says down, down at the bottom, it says related contact, uh, content, uh, Kevin Costner prepares for war in Yellowstone season two trailer. Hmm. Hmm. I'm yeah. saying that is a more of a marketing ploy. So for those of you who had the high odds in Vegas, that that was Whitney Houston on the bodyguard movie poster, uh, expect your margin call. Yes. I just I, compared Vegas to the stock market, but that's okay. What you got? You know, I, but besides that, I, I, I really thought that's kind of apropos for, for today's economy that, stock market and Vegas were correlated together. But besides that is smashing together of posters really that unknown to the world. I, uh, I've thought for a long time, everybody understood that nine times out of 10, this is something that's Photoshopped together. Yeah. Yeah. They couldn't, they, first of all, they couldn't get Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and princess Leia all launched into space and hold that they position. They have very busy, busy schedules. You're right. <laughs> For that initial Star Wars poster. Come on, people. <laughs> Good Lord. And there's no way that's the real Benji on the cover of Benji's movie. I don't know. I haven't seen that. That was actually his uh, horse stand-in, right? Yes. A ho- it was a horse dressed as a dog. The, the, all you have to do with that in Photoshop is trim the legs down. And right. It, it works beautifully. No, okay. I, 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 I see things like that, and the jaded cynical media lover and he goes come on exactly that that we know his show's coming out you ask something so that you can bring in his bodyguard fans because yeah. now those of you that understand how algorithm algorithms work if you ever searched out that movie this stuff correlates together it comes up in your news feeds and you see it and you go i didn't know he was on a tv show i have to go binge it yeah boring and, and and actually uh the better half's interested in that uh that Kevin Costner show. So, well, please tell her when she yeah. watches it to let me know because right? you know, the, the guy's done some good work, and I'm curious to know what he's doing ooh, now. Ooh, 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 I like uh, I like where this is headed. What is your favorite Kevin Costner movie? You know, I don't do favorites well. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, what it what what if movie? I had to watch over and over. <laughs> you don't bite me, Jeff. I I swear. No, no, no. You're right. You don't like favorites. I've asked you that multiple times. I was just trying to think of another um, word. But yeah, just. I, you know, one that you shed some some light on. Uh, to me, I, I can't think of one without the other. Field of Dreams and Bull Durham. To me, they're they're hand in hand because they really are the opposite ends of. If you're going to make a baseball movie, you know the the somewhat romantic comedy realism of yeah. Bull Durham to the very fantastical Field of Dreams. Fa- Field of Dreams to me to this day is still a beautifully executed fantasy sports film. If you build it, they will come. What? If is you, that in, is no. that in that movie? You spoil. I'm kidding. Oh, spoiler! Right, we're going to get into that in just a second. Mine would be uh, Mr. Brooks. I thought that was a nice um, uh, serial killer movie, uh, which had the great. I think. Uh, uh, God, now I'm going to have to look it up. Well, uh, you've actually named a film I don't know, Mr. Brooks. Oh, yeah, oh, I, oh. I never saw that. Uh, next time, well, I know you watch a lot of stuff, but um, it's a good one. Uh, and the and the uh, reason why I like to be coming out in two thousand seven, Demi Moore is in it, and so oh, there's the reason I didn't watch it. There is William Hurt's in it. 
Oh, it, there's an, a reason I would watch it. And it's an interesting take on a guy that's uh, killing some people. All right. Speaking of uh, spoilers, Tom Holland, who played, who's the, the latest uh, actor to play Spider-Man, and he was in, in the Avengers movies. Uh, this came out just yesterday at 6.21 p.m. This is off of Deadline.com. Um, Tom Holland angers Marvel fans with Avengers Endgame spoiler. So here it is. Um, Tom Holland is on the Graham Norton show and just let it slip that a beloved character uh, dies on the show. And I'm hoping the kind listeners out there um, I will we'll refrain from mentioning who did, but he, he yeah, basically said, you know, Hey, one of the, one of the main characters dies to which he gets, you know, this Twitter's so weird at Tom Holland. This is from uh Cornyn and Owen at Tom Holland, 1996. Thanks for giving a spoiler away on the Graham Norton show. Yes. Okay. We've not seen Endgame, but we're still looking forward to watching it. Hashtag ruined from another Twitter user. Uh, hashtag Graham Norton. Oh, cheers, Tom Holland. I haven't seen the Avengers Endgame yet. Thanks for the massive spoiler. And then the last one I've got here is uh, someone tweeted, I've actually avoided Avengers spoilers for months, and I've watched the Graham Norton show for five minutes, and Tom Holland's ruined it. So my initial gut reaction is, come on, people. I mean, first of all, that movie's been out for a while, and the new Spider-Man trailer blatantly shows who dies at the at the end of Endgame. I, I I just was interested and it caught my eye and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this I mean this age of spoilers and being mad because somebody that's done eight thousand interviews about a film that he's been in and other films he's going to be in says that a major character is going to die. I mean on, on Jeff's Richter scale that that's like a that's that's like a negative two. So it's once again, the cynical Todd media person comes out again, that this is an old story. This came out around the time of Avengers Endgame. The, that Tom Holland was known to have a little bit of the loose lip syndrome that he would get out there and get so excited. He would talk about it. And then that the studios and Marvels had, had just told him, look, we're not going to give you a lot of, of the scenes that you're not in because we don't want to put you in a bad situation. They weren't mad at him. Right. Now it becomes they're mad at him because it's a convenient way to get it out there about the exuberance. And by the way, Spider-Man's coming out next week. <laughs> okay. So cynicism aside, also to those of you that bitch and moan about this, get over it because last night I was out for dinner with my wife and I had this, this waitress that could not have been sweeter, more engaged. And she wanted to go home. I heard up front as we were walking in that she told somebody, hey, they just cut me. And they're like, oh, we need to get a, a couple in. And she went, give them to me. And she took us back. And she's just waiting on as sweet as she can be, even to the point she said, you're like so great. You've, you've ended my dad. Can I hug you? And I was like, sure, let's hug. You know, Whoa. let's spread a little more love in the world. And I said, bring your manager over and let me tell her how great you are. The world doesn't want to spend time telling each other how great we are. Instead, we want to go online and say, you ruined me. So get over it. You had a choice to watch that show with him. You know that's the story. Those of you that are bitching and moaning, go find something else with your life. Because this is ridiculous. Now, on the day of, the week of, that a movie comes out, without question, you're right. Months later, that's on you. Find time within your schedule. The rest of us want to talk about shit. Get over it. 
And you bring up a good point with the marketing portion of it because that's really what it is. He's yeah. on, he's on the show. To I didn't know the Spider Man comes out next week, so something like next week or two weeks. Yeah, from it, yeah, it's thing. it's it's a marketing thing. So uh huh. But uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Folks need folks need to get get over that because uh, you know you can't. It's the old and it's the old argument we used to hear when when. Um, um. Oh God, the sh- the original shock jock that was uh, out of New York, uh, Howard Stern. Howard Stern. When Howard Stern first hit the airwaves, everybody was complaining about him and what the way he acted and everything. And there's this little thing called the knob, and you can turn it off or you can change the station. And that's 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 the end of it. If you don't like it, don't listen to it. Well, and and I want to completely clear up if if you didn't get what I was getting at about the waitress. When the when the manager came to me and and my wife backs me up on this, I I told her I said too many people complain about any little thing they can, yeah. they don't take the same amount of time to tell when they get something good. We just assume in this world I'm supposed to get good, and I get Point. real 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 worn out on that kind of mentality because. I teach my kid the golden rule. Hey, if you want, you want that kind of stuff in the world, you better put it into the world. I'm not yeah. saying you're going to get it back. It's not a magic elixir that says, if I'm nice to people, I get it back. That's what it is. Right. Oh, I was me being told to shut up when the typewriter. No, no, I'm just, I'm moving us along. I, you know, I figured you did such a great job of closing that out. I couldn't add anything. Well, I figured um, that was almost like the orchestra at the Academy Awards telling me my speech time was over. <laughs> I'm sorry if it came out that way, but I'm trying to be conscious of your battery and everything. All right. So uh, that does it for headlines. Let's go ahead and fire up the projector. That warm, lovely feeling that we all like to hear every week. Yes, folks, that means it's time for Todd's take on Todd. What's your take on this week? It has been widely reported that I kind of have a fascination, man crush, beyond uh, admiration for an artist named Bruce Springsteen. Ah, Yes. And this week, Bruce released his first new studio album. I don't even actually have when his last one came out. I'm trying to scan through this. Oh, September 2012 was his. Oh, what? I was was making stuff up to to cover you. I'm sorry. You found the information. 2012, you said. Yeah. So, you know, his his last couple of albums, uh, let's see, Magic, Working on a Dream and Wrecking Ball were all kind of produced around the same time. And if you listen to them, they really had a throughput of, you could hear the sounds he's going for. But around that time, those of us who love this artist started hearing that he had done what people were calling his country album. I'm going to actually read a quote from Bruce that he says about this album. Uh, Western stars is the name of album. It was influenced by the Southern California pop music of the seventies. Glenn Campbell, Jimmy Webb, Burt Backrack, those kind of records. And he says, I don't mind if people hear those, but it's also a singer-songwriter album. It's connected to my solo records, more like Tunnel of Love, Devils and Dust, etc. So Tunnel, uh, Tunnel of Love, a lot of people would actually know a lot of the songs on that. So when you listen to this, it definitely has a little bit of a different tinge for Bruce. It has some, what you're going to hear that are called train beats, which are country type things. It is full of lush strings. And it's more Bruce instead of using that gravelly voice that now it's there, but throughout the album, he actually goes up into a bit of a, what's called his head voice. And he lets his voice soar a little bit. Um, I, I'm not saying it's going to be my favorite album, but I'm telling you the man can write beautiful songs, beautifully crafted. You know, a lot of people don't understand. He writes about characters. These songs aren't necessarily about him. He's, he's has a lot to say. So this album comes out. We've all been waiting for it. Those those fans of us, he did his long Broadway show that was very, very well received. 
that we actually talked about. That wasn't mic'd very so, well. I was just no, telling somebody about that. Mic'd very well. I, I can't help but wonder, really to digress, Jeff, if you're in that, that uh, why can't I think, that theater, Yeah. would those mic issues be as apparent in a theater that's designed for Broadway where voices carry. No, no. And, and yeah, as we, as we jump off topic here, um, I, I just, I, I don't know. He's got people that work with him that, that know more about sound than I will ever dream of knowing. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, I would think that if it's Bruce's, you know, special, he's going to sign off on it. So he's going to be yeah. the one to say, I like it. So maybe he liked it, you know, and that was actually kind of leads into my question and follow up of uh, the mention of his, his album or an artist like Bruce Springsteen, who has been around for so long to have to continually evolve as a musician. I mean, you're talking about a guy that, that, that he and his band at the cream of the crop, the top of the list. I think it's great. And, and, and may, you know, I know that I'm sure you can just like you see in the movies, the marketing agents are like, no, no, you can't do that. You know, they want more Bruce. They want more Bruce. But at the same time, just like anything else you do in life, uh, craft wise or anything, you're going to start to evolve. You're going to start to change because that's you're going to be looking for that new um, progression just internally. And you should I think you would agree as a musician um, that just takes you to a different place. And and luckily, he's successful enough. He doesn't worry about the, the money aspect of it. But just to be Bruce Springsteen and sit down and say, OK, I'm going to write an album. Whew. I mean, it's like asking yeah. Mozart to, to rewrite some of his his top hits. Well, you know what I've always admired about the man, and and it, I I was lucky enough to come on as a fan when the greatest example of this happened that he had released the album The River, which had the hit Hungry Heart. So if you know that mm -hmm. that song by Bruce Springsteen, big hit. And what does the record company do, especially in that time? You know, record companies were very different at that time, where it's like you got a hit, we need another one. So what does Bruce do? He says, okay, I'll go write a new album. And he writes this collection of songs where it's just a little recorder with him and harmonica and acoustic yeah. record. And he, they're his demos that he takes to the E Street Band. And he says, let's record them. They try them. He doesn't like them. So he just releases the demos. The record yeah. company is mortified because they're like, we can't market this. But he goes, I don't care. Yeah. He's this, like, this is what I created. Let this, it out. And now it's this iconic album called Nebraska. Right. And this song's a very poppy song. Yes. It's a great song by that. I love the open of it. A, a fun fact, they wanted it to sound a little more exuberant, so it's recorded and they speed it up actually just a little bit to raise his voice up. It's a My little Lord. bit faster than it should be. Come on. That's yeah, really true. He admits to it. He's like, yeah, we did the, the old Motown technique, which was, oh, you want to lift a song, record it and speed it up just a little bit to make ah. it sound lifted. Interesting. There you go. With just another little nugget of knowledge passed on to the kind listener. Or of course, probably all of our listeners are going like, duh, we know that. <laughs> and I'm the well, only do me one that's favor doesn't. since you played Hungry Heart. Look yeah. up real quick Atlantic City and don't get a live version. Get if you can find Atlantic City by oh. Bruce Springsteen. I hope you can find the album version. Atlantic City Bruce Springsteen live recording here right now. Don't don't you. do live recording. That'll sound he plays out of the E Street Band. It sounds like an E Street Band sound. I'm kidding. So you can hear right there, it's just him singing with an acoustic guitar. This is a guy that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, he's Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't actually take risks. The man takes risks all the time. Yes. And so, you know, yeah, even though he's he's approaching 70 or just in his 70s, I can't recall his age right offhand, but 
I mean, for him to still be releasing new music, for him to do this, and then to come and go, by the way, I'm going to try and make one of the 70s kind of West yeah. Coast country pop albums. So here's a song from this. West, uh, uh, Hello Sunshine is one of the lead tracks that they put out. And it just, you'll hear once we get into it, some of the lifting strings that sounds very much reminiscent of a bygone era. I'll do that. And first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull one of Bruce Springsteen's like in a special here. Alexa, how old is Bruce Springsteen? 60, 69. 69 years old. <coughs> I knew oh, he was oh, approaching 70 at least. Uh, Alexa, stop. Boy, she just wants to tell you the whole... She wanted, She was ready to go. She hasn't been on the show for a while. She's kind of mad. So She loves She loves Springsteen, too. Yeah, she does. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's listen to this. Had enough of heartbreaking pain Had a little sweet spot for the rain For the rain and skies of gray Hello sunshine, won't you stay? You know I always like my walking shoes Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a very different sound for him. It's not the typical. No. I had a wife and kid in Baltimore, Jack. You know, it's not that thing. It doesn't just have that old rock and roll groove sound. I do like it, though. It's uh, it's almost lends itself a little bit from the old Johnny Cash. uh, It does. Train sound kind of with the drums in the background. Um, and, and if you listen to the album, there's a ton of, of you'll hear the influences. If you if you have any inkling of the music he's talking about, you'll hear these sweeping epics. And I will say that uh, having listened to it, I'm very happy to say there's only one song on there that I'm like, eh, wow, they could have removed that. You know, that to yeah. me, if you can listen to an album and go, I don't really care for one song. Yeah. Pretty good album. Yeah. No, that's a good point. So that's Todd's take. I, it's just me, you know, a full week of nonstop Bruce Springsteen and my wife and daughter are like, please find your new obsession. <laughs> All right. We'll put that projector away, put it back up on the shelf and uh, get it out, uh, which makes me, which reminds me, and I'll, I'll make a note at the end of the show, we are going to miss a week because I'll be on vacation, but we'll be back after that. And we should have a pretty good run from there because I've got travel and everything that's calmed down. All right. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. Bruce Springsteen's new album entitled <laughs> Western Skies. Western Skies, uh, available on iTunes and in your local Hastings books and tapes and records. Hastings still around? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know what? Since he went for bygone era, you went. You referenced the bygone store. Bygone. What's bygone? Bye bye. Oh. <laughs> We completely missed each other on there. Sorry about that. <laughs> Apologize. Apologize to the kind listener. Man, we are on fire today. All right. Um, let's go ahead and go to another section that doesn't have um, uh, an intro. But uh, I figure what I'm going to do with Jeff's Judgment, we'll just play a little uh, a little pop culture for you to listen to. And then we'll get into Jeff's Judgment on a new Netflix show called Awake.
It wasn't even the button I was supposed to hit. <laughs> so things remain the same. The same here. All right. So um, go, going through Netflix and um, notice that Netflix has a new game show available. So not only are they getting in the movie arena, not only are they doing the television stuff, now they're getting into game shows. And to be honest, there was no way I was going to be interested in this at all. Um, but I read the, I actually read the description and basically what the premise of the show is this seven people are locked in a room for 24 hours to count quarters. There's a million dollars worth of quarters in the room. There's a big pit and they have these bags and they go and they take these scoops and they, all they're supposed to do for 24 hours is count quarters at the end of the 24 hours they go to the producers of the show or the handlers or whatever and they say i counted thirty five thousand six hundred and eighty three dollars worth of quarters they then are transferred that's that's like the first minute and a half of the show because watching them count quarters for 24 hours would be pretty boring but anyway so then the, the actual show begins so these these folks have been up for 24 hours and then are brought onto the main stage where uh, the host welcomes them. We learn a little bit about them. And immediately off the bat, two people are eliminated. Eliminated. The people that are eliminated are the ones uh, that counted the least amount of quarters and the one that was least accurate. So right off the bat, you lose two. The five remaining go through a number of physical and mental challenges that target different areas of the brain, coordinations, stamina, whatnot, uh, concentration, eye, blah, blah, that you tend to lose after being awake for 24 hours. And then they narrow down to two people, and it's a shot at a million dollars. So if you if you win, then... Um, the host says, okay, you, you know, you think you caught, you counted, you know, $30,000 worth of quarters. Um, if you stop now, you can take that money home or they throw in all of the money that people counted into what they call the big bank. And if your count is less or more, it has a $500 range of, of less or more. So if you're 500 over or 500 or what you counted, you can take home the big bank, which is usually around $150,000, $200,000 with the quarters that were counted. If you win that, you can shoot for a million dollars and risk all that money, and you, but you have to be $25 within what you counted. And if you're not, you lose everything. So they, I think it's like five or six uh, episodes that are on there. Uh, I'm going to look up something as you uh, give me your thoughts on that. So it's it's an interesting take, and yeah, these people these people are tired and doing some simple tasks. Like one of them was um, stacking quarters on top of these thick nail heads and trying to get them to stand. Another one was um, they had all these spatulas with quarters stacked on them. You'd have to pick them up walk on my, oh, I'd say maybe 10 or 15 feet and try and dump them into a bowl. Um, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, oh, I'm on the wrong PC. Sorry. Sorry, folks. Hey, more sounds. That works. There we go. Um, so your thoughts, uh, have you seen any of it or? I, I just have to say that that sound effect, <laughs> sound effect is actually apropos because that's them trying to ping my interest in a show like that <laughs> i don't understand i don't understand where we've gone with our entertainment mm. that 
that somebody said, hey, we are so desperate for a different idea. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's right, just right, how right, did right, that right, ever right. come about? It sounds like somebody got drunk <laughs> and, and had a game of name the most insane thing and we'll make a TV show of it. Yeah, very, 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 very possible. Um, would you be on this talk show or this on this game show? No, because numbers drive me insane. I'm one of those that once I start <laughs> counting something, it, it literally becomes, if I am obsessive compulsive about anything, it's when I get to adding and I start trying to correlate and see all the different things that can occur and I could do, I know that would drive me insane. Yeah. And it would suddenly be about me killing everyone. Right, exactly. And, and, and of course, you know, you, you discuss strategies on, because some people you just see them just, you know, like throwing quarters in the bin, you know, just like boom, boom, boom. Oh, and I forgot to mention uh, for the kind listener and, and, and you, uh, when you're counting, you can't write anything down. There's no pen and paper. It's all oh, crap. So, you know, we were talking about some different strategies of, of, you know, like I would stack, I would come up with rows and stacks of four quarters so it equaled a certain amount. And then I would, you know, each time I would do that, you know, swipe it in the bin and know that that was a thousand dollars or something like that. And then damn, damn you, by the way, for now, I'm going to have to watch this. This isn't too <laughs> insane of a show for me. Not it's like you're peaking my pop culture need to consume something. Well, so he, damn you. And here here is the uh, here's the good thing. This is the good news. It's um, it's very short. Um, it's 30 minutes. Oh, I was going to say as in episodes or episode yeah. count, no, which it's 30 minutes, 30 minutes long. So it, it moves along at a very quick pace. I was trying to see who hosts it because I th believe this gentleman needs, uh, deserves a shout out. So who hosts, would you mind resetting this again and tell me the name of the show again? Because that's sort of now washed over my brain. Yeah. Awake the million Awake. dollar game. Okay. Awake. And that's a Netflix show. Million. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's on Netflix, and I don't have the sounder set up. Uh, dollar game. Ba -dong. Ba -dong. James Davis is the host. He's a comedian, um, and one of the things that I think you'll like, and, 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 and I can't say this about a lot of the talk shows, you could probably say it about Family Feud, but he does a really good job hosting. So without okay. him hosting, I don't think it would be as enjoyable. So a tip of the cap. I know he's a huge fan of the other kind radio. Um, James Davis, check him out. Season one's on Netflix. Awake the million dollar game. Uh, you know, give give it a little uh, give it a little shot. I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And I'll be interested to hear after you watch an episode or two uh, what you think. Can I just real quick read the IMDb slug line for this? Yes, go ahead. Twenty four hours, zero rest, one million dollars on the line. Awake the million dollar game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely i'm telling you they just described everything that's i jeff i'm gonna have to watch it and if i go insane yeah i'm sending you the bill okay that's fine just make sure uh uh your daughter watches it with you because i think she'll get a kick out of it as well i will make sure that and i'll tell you what if i actually go insane what i'll do the smelling salts will be what's on center stage today <laughs> right. i will go and flip over to that so that's my tease for center stage there you go San Diego. Mm. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful view, Mr. Burgundy. I know. I love this city. It's a, it's a fact. It's the greatest city in the history of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> 
Which, of course, in German means a whale's vagina. No, there's no way that's correct. I'm sorry. Welcome back to Center Stage. A little taste of uh, Anchorman there. I stumbled across that. One of my favorite scenes. Todd shaking his head, which means mission accomplished. All right. For Center Stage today, we're going to cover two vastly different... um, pieces of entertainment and pop culture, both uh, making headlines and getting a lot of talk, Um, one of which I would equate to a uh, pile of chicken nuggets and the other one uh, maybe a filet. So what do you want to do first, Todd? You want to do the you want to do the bad first or the good first? Yeah, let's start with the chicken nuggets. All right, chicken. I like chicken nuggets. I actually you know what? On On a crappy day, they're easy to consume. There you go. And if only this was as easy to consume. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Usually they're easy to consume. It's what they do to you afterwards. afterwards and that's right. exactly what this does. So, um, you know, one of the things I like about Netflix is it always seems that they release these films and there's not a lot of talk about it. Like you like opening up Netflix is is, is part of the enjoyment for me is you just see, oh, Adam Sandler, Jennifer Anderson. Murder mystery. Okay. Wow. Okay. So this is a thing, you know, so it doesn't have all the industry hubbub above and, and previews and hype and everything. So, uh, I start talking to Todd about it. We're like, yeah, let's do it. And, um, I watched it. It is 100% made out of Velveeta cheese. Um, I watched it a second time. Um, kind of halfway through, I decided to get up and go mow the yard. I figured I figured I need to work some of those chicken nuggets off. Um, so what we're going to be discussing is kind of, you know, obviously it, it, it's it's being reported that it's breaking Netflix numbers, obviously showing high popularity. Um, so that's an interesting fact. But really, when you break it down and look at it, it is a rather uh, milk toast type movie for me. Very predictable. Uh, some scenes that didn't make sense. But for the kind listener, my interest is. We got a guy that study film and knows what, you know, what, what ingredients are needed to make a good film. And, uh, the text I'll uh, lead Todd up with is I got, uh, from Todd, which was, uh, I'm three minutes in and I already can't stand it. So Todd, please tell us, tell us, including me and the kind listener, tell us, tell us what, what happened, what happened. So the story I have to tell with murder mystery. Oh, should we do the you know, tale of the tape? I'm sorry. You know what? Let's do that real quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually on the IMDb page. Okay, so yeah. let me let me roll back. This is a, a film that is directed by Kyle Nuacek and written by James Vanderbilt. The slug line says a New York cop and his wife go on a European vacation to reinvigorate the spark in their marriage, but end up getting framed and on the run for de- the death of an elderly billionaire. Okay. So apparently today's episode of the other kind of radio is going to be cynicism, Todd, because even when we get to the filet in a minute, there's a cynical thing I have to say about it. <laughs> um, this film smacks of a screenplay that is long in development and finally goes, Oh, let's make it. The reason I say that, you know, before I even get into the critical of how this works or actually largely why it doesn't work. Right. This is written by James Red Vanderbilt, as I said, who is a producer, writer, and I think he has one directing credit. I don't really know the film that's there. But this this man, I'm gonna I'm gonna list off some of the things he's he's written. Amazing Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man Two, Zodiac, Independence Day Resurgence. So I mean it, at least he has big projects. 
what this immediately hit me as was his first screenplay that he might have tried to sell mm. and studios will have it and they'll go, Hey, he's had some success success. Let's look at that again. The reason that right. really smacks of it is if you watched through to the end, which I did because I tell <laughs> my dear friend, Jeff, I'll watch the whole movie when it gets to executive producer, suddenly there is Charlize Theron's name. Ah. And you're like, well, She's not to have anything to do with this. Executive producer is often a title given to an actor or actress who is of a prestige level that they want to get involved. And in their contract, will say, even if you pull out, you still get your executive producer credit. Do they have to give him money? Uh, I, I do believe that they get some okay. points on it. They get something. That, no, you know, did, she, did she have to give them money to help produce this? No, no, no. When okay. you're when you're giving when you're someone of the, the level of Charlize Theron, your name is the money ah, that gotcha. way they're putting you, Oh, you know, Charlize is involved and she's an executive producer. So we've got her involved. Won't you back our film? That's her. so they pay her a little bit for that. She also gets the credit of another executive producing thing. She has, I look, she might come on the show and go, you know what? I actually did help develop this. Okay. That, that does happen. But nine times out of 10, these are, these are funny credits. They're, they're there right. for them to get a credit. So, that's it's a it smacks of a long gestating type thing and it even smacks of it more because when you get down to it it is horrifically written <laughs> so bad so that yes three minutes in i looked and i went oh my god this is the most transparently stupid thing i've ever watched in my life because within those three minutes we found out everything we needed to know about a film now that can be the genius of a film when right. when in citizen kane within one minute you know this is about finding out what he's lost in life but when it's just cookie cutter oh hey you failed the detective test again wait okay right. it's called murder mystery he's gonna have to prove himself as a detective ding now let's flip over to jennifer aniston who's supposed to be a realist dirt hairdresser in there wait they're all lily white there's nothing about them that smacks of the white trashes type hairdresser they want them to be and immediately. Yeah. He said he was going to take me on a European vacation. He never did. Their marriage is falling apart. They're going to go on a European vacation. Somebody's going to get accused of murder. These two are going to fall for it. They're going to be the ones that are blamed. Oh, I know everything about this movie right now. There's no surprises. So now you're just forced to watch to see how they're going to try and move the story along. And, and I'm glad you said that. And, and I've got two questions for you. But first, I want to tell you, I did watch it the first time. Um, just as, Which automatically disappoints me in you that you watched it more than once. But go ahead. Well, I, and I'll tell you why I did. Um, be, one, because I'm, you know, I'm trying to become a better student of film. I know, and I'm teasing. Yeah, just just as just as you want to watch a good movie multiple times, you got to kind of look and see what makes a bad movie. Because I am fascinated, and some of my questions I have for you are regarding this: how do movies like this get made? And so, I rewatched it, and you're right. That scene with Adam Sandler and his buddy walking down the street is so awkwardly written, and the script is very. I mean, you could set that to to a. Um, Ooh, I got a text. Uh, you could set it to a metronome. Tick, tock, yep. tick. It's just back and forth. Hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Hey, sorry to hear about this. Yeah, I'll be okay. You know, and then you transition from that to um, man shaming, which I thought was interesting. There was a, there was a couple uppercuts and a, and a couple punches to the face as far as 
you know, what men, you know, you, the washing hands sign in bathroom is for men. Uh, you can't ever expect a man to do things on his own. You always have to tell him. Now, again, I'm not jumping on a hashtag situation here, but it was very formulaic and it was very, we had two guys. Now we're going to have four girls and, you know, create this autumn, you know, this stuff, um, uh, artificial tension in the movie. So my first question to you is this. Do you think this movie was shot, done, and sitting in the can and nobody would pick it up until Netflix said, yeah, we'll pick it up, but for this rate? Or do you think Netflix from the get-go was behind this? I don't. I, I've never heard anything about this being a long gestating project. Okay. So okay. I, I'll be surprised if that's the case. Um, I think what, you know, you often hear things like this or somebody like Adam Sandler who has a production deal with Netflix suddenly says, Hey, you know, I got this friend of mine who may wrote the yeah. script or something's going on. We ought to try that. I think it'd be fun. Somebody like me and Jennifer Aniston and that there and creates another problem. You know, the opening of this film, I never believe at yeah. all that Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, are anything other than <laughs> Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, they don't seem to be in love. She doesn't seem to have a broken heart yeah. over how their marriage has fallen apart. We have the scene where they go out to eat dinner and he's supposed to be angry because he's, we, he is keeping from her that he's felt his detective test. So he kind of lashes out yeah. at his partner's wife, fiance, whatever it is. I forget now. Yeah. And, and I, I thought was, this scene actually needs to be escalated. This needs to be yeah. where he's a complete dick. Yes. And he, whatever, just, yeah. And then she goes, what is wrong with you? Yeah. That suddenly smacks of marriage and what we understand how, when you have a partner in life, they, they will actually go to you sometimes going, you're being a jerk. Right. You need to stop. Right. And then that tension would carry over to the scene when they're brushing their teeth and everything mm -hmm. goes wrong. There's no throughput on behavior in this thing at all. And, I found myself immediately thinking, okay, if he sings a song, I quit. <laughs> and if she gives me the little quirky looks that she does on friends one more time, I quit, which to be fair to her, I have long said to my friends and to my wife who absolutely adores friends. She is truly, if you watch friends, a gifted comedian. Yeah. She is very good with her timing and she has moments in this, but I think, you know, you poor thing, the script does not serve you at all. Yeah. And I, I and I was I learned about her ability to act. Uh, I'm gonna look it up right now. I I think it's a movie called um, The Good Girl. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's not one that um, I think it came out in 2002. Um, it's it's a it's a drama it's not it's not anything that's you know typical her so she does have some chops for acting but yes i i i would blame uh a lot of what's wrong with this movie on the script writing and then and then also you know i guess they got to go play around in in paris and and monaco and every, everything for a while so this also kind of reeks from like i mean if we're gonna have to shoot this horrible movie let's at least have it in a place that um you know that 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 looks nice and and you know can pseudo be a vacation i don't know i i, I wouldn't know i've never been on a movie set but um so the progression the, the character progression is is kind of there's no real lessons learned there's never never that moment of of anything and and then we get to the part where she finds out that he's been lying this is when they're on the run and everybody thinks that they're the ones that that committed the murder and the scene where they're in the restaurant and she finds out that he's been lying to her about being a detective, I thought that was really, 
really awkward as well. She's never been in Europe before, and but she's she's gonna you know walk away and walk into a dark empty street in whatever city they're in, uh, with no no care or concern. And the other thing I think they missed on this, yes, you know, relationships can fall apart over years, and I'm not saying it, it doesn't uh, happen, but um, you would think that in that time, too, they would have built a little bit of, uh, um, I don't know, a little bit of I got your back or let's, let's because, you know, let's talk about it. Let's see what's going on. And that could just be me. But I thought the breakup scene was was a little uh, a little forced. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that type of stuff. And what what I miss in that is if my wife and I are, are having a disagreement, right? even in the middle of that, if she sees me do a one of my typical failure points and where she steps in and saves me, the, what you do in these is that love and relationships are weird. And so what you do is you don't just stage the fight. Right. It it can be charming and it can tell us a ton about him. Let's say that yes. he let's say that he doesn't always roll up the end of his toothpaste thing. If she takes it and rolls it up and hands it back to him. Right. That says, hey, there's something here that we that's more than what we know. Yeah. And that gets to the heart of what's missing in this film is really when you think about it, each of them, you know, there is nothing learned in this. You you're very on point with that. There is nothing taken away to where they're better people right. other than that they persevere in the end. It should have been the easy things here are why doesn't he tell her that he failed his detective test? Maybe she's very judgmental about it. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't feel he can turn to her. Why? Um, you know, then, then he has to have the failure point of not listening to what she wants about the European vacation. Yeah. The, these things are never other than cursory level. They're never touched on right and to the point that 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 scene at the end when when i you know i could literally break it apart into screenwriting it was like plot point two she's about to get in the car with luke evans character and zoom away i really didn't know that they were in the same little square yeah and that he was watching her i was like okay yes why didn't you spend 30 seconds of he's over here looking at her and all this instead all of a sudden we just see him here we right. see her there and she gets in a car and then they go to the shot oh he was just down the block from her right you you have to you have to take those moments to tell a story right you it, the quiet moments are as important as the over the in fact they're sometimes more important than the big moments. Well, and I, I thought it interesting too, that they spent more time. I mean, that shot when he buys the, the, the prepaid cell phone, mm -hmm. that was an extremely long shot. All you need from my point of view and folks, kind of listeners, you all know, I know nothing about film, but the way I'm thinking about it is you do a shot. That's basically a, a still, a, 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 just a setup shot over a countertop, like at a convenience store. And you see the two phones, be thrown down then you pan up to adam's face and he goes you know i'll take this that sunglasses and that hat boom now you established that he's bought that and the hat and the trench coat which i didn't recognize him in but the other thing was then he calls his buddy in new york who's a cop and he says hey man if i give you these two numbers can you link them together so they can follow each other why why do that because that that's not the way it works <laughs> do you know why they do that? Because they need a contrivance to say, how do we get to the right. next part? Oh, link them together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that number one, a cop would have the resources to get that done. That's what I thought was like, right. well, you know, doesn't to do something like that. Don't you have to have almost like executive powers to say, yes, we can do yeah. that. Yeah. That's, that's uh, other, other uh, levels of the government. And let's not forget 
as we'll soon get off the 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 cell phone uh, uh, inaccuracies in this film. But the only reason why he has to buy cell phones is because they see a news report on the television with their pictures on it. So then Adam picks up both their cell phones and drops them into a pitcher of beer. Now, I get it. He's like, now they can't trace us. You know, they can't trace our SIM cards. And she's like, well, you could have just taken them out, which, again, is about a four on a, on a giggle scale. But and, and that did at least elicit just a little bit of a huh. Right. <laughs> but, it, boy, what a long way to go to get, you know, cell phones linked so that he can follow her yes. um, throughout the city. Um, that's other, other than just scenes, I think, being a little long and things jumping in there. I really don't have anything else to add on this film. Um, I will say the better half was watching part of it with me um, the second time. And and she was laughing. She was giggling. So, you know, maybe maybe it's us that have the uh, the inaccuracy in our vision and our hearing that don't make it what we what we wanted it to be. I, I disagree with you. Yeah. Um, I, I go back to the chicken nugget, the Big Mac idea. You yeah. know, a, a Big Mac can taste like a beautiful hamburger when you're starving. Yeah. And I I do not go to your better half and say that you're not a smart woman. You know, oh, I no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I think that we've gotten to in this day of oversaturation of, of media is that we, if we're willing to suspend disbelief, we will plug in the things that we, we think are there yeah. to this point. And, and, and I'm, I've got two more points about this film before right. we move on to the yes. much better thing. Yes. The car chase that occurs at the end. <laughs> here's how that would work. And once again, I'm going to go back to, I got to go. And I've done this before. Jerry Maguire uses the rule of joke setup better than anything joke setup and, and touchingly paying off of, um, you complete me. Mm-hmm. It starts in a tense moment when they get on an elevator after he's walked out, there's a couple that are hearing, uh, I think the man's hearing impaired yeah. and she he's signing something. And you know, what did he say? You complete me. You, those you've set that up. So yeah. at the end, when he needs to expose himself, I was a turd before, but I suddenly understand what that man understood before. And he says to her, you complete me. Yeah. That is a setup payoff. If you want to set up and pay off a car chase where the joke is we get into a foreign sports car and oh, by the way, the steering wheel is on the wrong side. Why not have a scene before after dinner where they're trying to get home and maybe they're the rarity in New York City who own a car and she drives and he's like, don't drive. I don't want you to drive. Then whenever he runs to his car, he goes, I'll drive. He gets in, but it's her. Now that's a joke that's up. It's not a very good joke, right. but it, you've at least set it up. And I thought this, this has no payoff because we don't know that she's a bad driver. Yeah. We have no information. Right. And, and, and you're, you're right. Cause it was a missed opportunity because the car for the kind listener out there that haven't seen this movie, the car is a Ferrari. And so they're going to go chase the bad guys in this, this super nice car. And of course he wants to drive. So he gets on the, what would be the American driver's side. And then of course the steering wheel is not there. So she gets to drive, but you're right. And I didn't even notice that, you know, they just kind of just jumped into that. And then she's a horrible driver. They sure as heck spent enough time saying he was a horrible shot. Yeah. There was you, at you least set all that up jokes so that, about that pays that. off. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And if you want to do these things, it, filmmaking is, it is a very 
intricate type thing to tell these stories correctly, but yeah. it's not hard to learn what you're supposed to do. Right. You can have a joke that's not set up. Uh, the, the, there's a joke when, when she's driving and it, he says something like when it starts whining like your sister, that's when you shift the gear. Funny joke. <laughs> you don't have to sign that set that up. We just understand right. he, he doesn't like her sister. But if you want a sight gag to work, you've got to do the work to get there. Yeah. Great. The, the, sorry. No, I was going to say great point. Great point. Anything else? Yeah, the last thing I want to say real quick is, you know, this isn't just Aniston and Sandler. This has got some other prestige people in it. Luke Evans is an actor that plays sort of the guy that pulls him in on all this. And he's really, you know, I love Luke Evans. Luke Evans was in Beauty and the Beast, the the, the live reimagining, playing Gaston. He's been Dracula. He's been in a lot of things. He was in the Hobbit films. He's stooping here, too. But the one of them all that breaks my heart, the man that plays the the father yes. who originally gets murdered is Terrence Stamp. Yeah. Terrence Stamp, a great English actor who I first saw in a beautiful film called The Collector that will haunt you forever if you ever get into it. It's an older film, but I'm telling you, it predates the kind of, ooh, like Hannibal Lecter type stuff. Oh, Jim uh, Arterton, who plays the, the sexy actress, she has some chops too. So there are people, they pulled in a lot of people. I think this becomes that Aniston, Sandler get involved. They start pulling people in. Terrence Stamp, we could really use you for a day or two to yeah. come in and shoot this quick role. You give us some prestige. It, 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 I don't believe anybody sets out to make bad movies. Even those that make schlocky ones want to make a fun schlocky movie. They didn't have to try very hard because this movie just sucks. Yeah, the, the last thing I was going to say based on the, those those thoughts you just put out there is I definitely think that this um, this is a case where the actors were like, well, you know, we'll do what you want us to do. But, you know, I think what failed him was editing and then some of the writing that came across and directing, and which directing, that guy yeah. has chops from directing. He yeah. he directed episodes of Community, which is a very good yeah. 30 minute show that was out there. And it's very quirky and fun. So he knows they just they didn't do their due diligence. This the script needed about two or three more rewrites. Yeah. So, uh, kind listener, if you're uh, if you're uh, if you're hungry for a cheeseburger and really don't care about the calorie count and setup and payoff and uh, a script that uh, takes you along and, and is a good thing to study, then uh, you may this film may be for you. But for Todd and I, I think it's pretty much a we'll just pass on that. And that uh, concludes our uh, view on the Netflix film murder mystery with adam soundler and jennifer aniston now shifting gears first we got to do a battery check what's your battery at 65 percent. We're, we're cooking along and for those that don't we, we should at least say this i pinged jeff this morning and said um i'm an idiot work gave me a brand new uh computer and i used to have a couple of chargers now oh. i only have one and i left it at work yeah that's that's not an idiot. You get used to your your routine, you know, and yeah. and everything. So that's all right. We're here for you. But sixty five percent, we're we're good. Sixty five percent. All right. So we're gonna dive into now what we would believe kind of a uh, more of the flame and yawn as far as entertainment. It's on uh, HBO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was like Darth Vader on a bad day saying, "What I'm gonna watch HBO day." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you know, we don't have the highest production value, but damn it, we try. <laughs> we try so hard. Um, we're talking about HBO. We're talking about a, uh, I think it's like an eight-part series called Chernobyl. And uh, 
Todd will get into the tail of the tape when he has it up, but basically it's it's kind of a it's not a documentary, but it's it's definitely a look at the events and what happened at Chernobyl um back in the nineties, right? Eighties. Late eighties. Late eighties. Uh so with the tail of the tape, here's here's Todd. This is HBO's take on the Chernobyl accident directed uh created by Craig Mazin. That's that's actually what they have listed. In April 1986, an explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the Union of Soviet Socialist Republic becomes one of the world's most uh, worst man-made catastrophes. This is actually a five-part series, not eight, but no. you know that's just me correcting Jeff for the simple fact that even though it has some things that are incredibly difficult to watch, it's, a, it's one of those you can't stop watching and yeah. it's easy to consume because it's relatively short. This project has actors that i'm going to tell you you you'll look and go why do i know that person and then you go oh they're yeah. one of those kind of people people like jared harris stellan skarsgård emily watson actors that you've seen many times before in fact for you game of thrones fans actually has a couple of people that have played small roles in games of game oh. of thrones that i had to go oh look at him this is a beautifully executed retelling of the events that occurred. I was a, a teenager when, when these events occurred yeah. and I remember it, but you know, none of us really understood no. the horror story that goes along. And I will, I'm going to say right off the top in the history of disaster films, the, the idea that here's a disaster and how do the characters persevere past it? Yeah. This may be the greatest disaster film that I've ever seen. It it's real. It gives me where murder mystery does not set up things and pay it off yeah. and give me new information and new thought and make me think this immediately makes me think about things. Oh my God. I knew that, you know, radiation exposure like this was deadly. Oh, you're going to show me what it looks like to the human body. <laughs> you want to talk about horrifying. Yeah. I, and now there are places where eventually, and the filmmaker is very smart, makes a beautiful choice that when we hear, oh, that person's face had melted off, we don't see it. But yeah. because we've already seen what happens to the body, we, my mind is so much more powerful at evoking, oh my God, she was looking at somebody that was worse than what I saw before. Yeah, It's just a film that beautifully executes and it's not even cookie cutter. It doesn't even just go, here are the events. It plays with time a little bit because when the accident occurs, we're immediately in on lives that we don't know who the people are right. and we hear boom and the guy's in his, uh, in his apartment with his wife and he's like, I got to go, you know, yeah, there's a fire out there. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, we, that's how life is. Big things happen and people are in the midst of their lives. They don't think it's going to happen that they're going to be involved in a horrifically historical event. And as it unfolds, it beautifully tells us what had to be done, the horror that went into actually keeping this from becoming infinitely worse than it already was. Yes. It is a stellar production. Stellar. I do have one critique and I'll save it for a little bit, but Jeff, okay. tell me your thoughts after watching it. So I'm, you know, I watched this when I was on the road and, um, <clears throat> I say that only because I think sometimes it can affect, uh, um, kind of my view of it, but without question, um, so I, I, I fantastically set up the first episode. I tell whenever I recommend to somebody else to watch it, I always say, just get, just make sure you if through the first episode, but watch the second episode because the first episode does focus on some of the horrors and um, hor uh, horrors and, and just uh, gruesome things that, that happen in an accident like this. Um, it did an excellent job with pacing. 
it did an excellent job with with identifying uh, off the bat who you knew was was going to get blamed for it and who was going to um you know try to to defer or or push away any type of critique as far as what was what was happening because this this particular uh, nuclear site um, was one that was not supposed to blow up. So a lot of it. So we go from kind of horror film and inside it, uh, the meltdown there, to now what I would feel a little more of a detective role where they're trying to figure out why. On top of this, you've got the Russian government, which is portrayed in this, and I think pretty accurately as far as keeping a lid on it, so to speak. And at the same time, internally, see what levels within the interior government can be lied to and or um manipulated yes manipulated off the the scent of what really happened and it isn't until the final episode where we hear about what happened and why so i know a little bit about how a nuclear uh reactor works now which so it's a little educational Mm -hmm. but also more so all the things that went wrong to create this um what I really liked also what they did was the characters that were brought in during the course of trying to get this solution were believable, were memorable, and you cared about them. One that comes immediately to mind is the miners. That uh, so they figure out they 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 understand that now that it's you know the it's over that beneath the reactor there's this core that is sinking into the earth that's going to go into all the water and can affect huge areas of land so they have to build a barrier a concrete barrier to contain it and who do they turn to but to some miners so i thought the establishing shot of a very dark room with men sitting in there drinking vodka uh, immediately told me where i was at and foreshadowed a little bit in a very tasteful way what was going to happen which was Russian agents are going to come, and I believe they show up with machine guns, and they say, hey, you're going to come with us, and you're going to do that. And there's a little bit of a standoff, but I immediately was drawn into the guy that played um, kind of the, the the head mind guy, the team lead, and what they're asked to do, and um, which is go right back into this area, which I'm sure is uh, pretty radioactive, and start digging this tunnel underneath the reactor. Um, that also encompassed with the doctor um so early on you know they thought you know in different parts of the country because of the misinformation they thought maybe it was a missile strike that that we had launched nukes and there's a uh i can't remember her name but the woman who plays the 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 doctor the nuclear physicist you know gets some of this radioactivity material and 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 does analysis on it she's like no it's it's not it's not weaponized it's our own you know, uh, own uranium and starts the hunt of kind of seeking out and getting that information and then working with the other characters and trying to figure out what happened. Um, I'll be interested to hear your, your glaring, um, defect as far as this, but I think all in all, um, you know, it's a, you just, it's, it's educational when it comes to how and what caused this to happen, but also just amazing how, people in adjoining towns and I don't remember the the square footage of the area they cleared out but these people were told you have three hours to pack minimal stuff and come on and get on these buses and don't worry you know it'll just be a couple days and they've never been able to go back um and 
And in those shots, they constantly see, they don't really explain away, but we see dogs chasing and where you're, you're led to believe that they, you know, they actually, they do have a moment where they take a dog away from someone, but they, yeah, they know that these animals are carriers of the radioactive yep. uh, waves that have hit them. And so they leave them behind to languish in, in these, these cities, those type of details. And there's also a scene in the first episode that is, I, I thought this is a director, you know, and, and let me, I forget who directed the first episode and I really don't want to dive too deep into that, but I thought you are elevating whatever you've done before to a level where you should be so proud. And that this moment occurs that as the fire burns off on the horizon, you get that the Chernobyl uh, plant was a little bit removed from the town where everyone lived, Yeah, but they all gather on a bridge to watch the fire and as they do, they're commenting about it. People are holding babies. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly Ooh. the frame rate slows down into slow motion. And we begin to see, we've already seen over by the Chernobyl plant dust and particles in the air. Yeah. Suddenly the wind shifts and we see a lady's hair in slow motion just begin to wave in the wind. And we start to see the particles. And this is what murder mystery doesn't do right. Right. They don't need to explain to me. They have visually shown me particles flowing in the air, wind, and I alone with, I know I don't need to be exposed to radioactive materials, especially on this level. I know these people are doomed. Yes. And it shows things flowing, people going around, and eventually it gets to that we see a bird fall from the sky and Mm -hmm. die on the ground, which is, you could argue maybe that part was a little heavy handed, but it's also the, it's the period on the sentence. If you think of filmmaking as a series of here are my comments and sentences, you often have to put a period. And that completely just said when that they're going to die. Yeah. And, and I think it's referenced later on in the film that, that everybody that was on that bridge did, did, did in fact die. Yeah, um, it does. Another club. Hey, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you please. I was just going to say another cl- clever thing uh, that I like that they did. Uh, and you make me think of these things is um, so, you know, they have the problem. Then, you know, Russia assigns like basically a project manager that's going to come in and oversee this whole thing. So he has complete um, power to a certain extent over the site and he gets into the helicopter with one of the main characters that uh, you follow along that kind of he's the one that that figures out what happened and on this short helicopter ride to go see I think uh, you know the Grand Council or whatever they call it he says so um, explain to me how a nuclear uh, reactor works and the character in very uh, simple language tells him and what a great deal it was needed for the story it set up where they were going and what was going to happen but hey also here's a little nod to you audience and now you have an idea of how it works like you said very simple but very effective in drawing me more and further into the storyline because now I get a little bit of it because you know I'm I'm thinking that's just going to be a big question mark for, for me for, for the majority of the show but uh, by the end of it, yeah, you feel like you kind of have a, a working knowledge and therefore can understand the story better. One of the great conundrums of a screenplay is how do I explain my world and my situation to the audience without feeling like I'm explaining my world and my situation? And in those moments, I sit there and, you know, having studied this, how to how to do that, I'm in awe of it that I thought how beautiful that is. You just told me everything I need to know right now by him telling this guy everything he needs to know before he goes and does it. That's how you do this. That is how you 
tell stories. If murder mystery needs to set up Jennifer Aniston as a bad driver, so that pays off. This is them taking the time to go. It, it's rather simple. And, and, you know, they've had a contentious relationship up to this. And so he could have been even speaking down to him a bit about, you know, that you don't understand, but instead he's very patient. Yeah. And he's trying to explain to him how grave the situation is, is time and time again, even in the courtroom scenes, when that same character has to explain to the people overseeing the, oh, uh, the, yeah. the, the courtroom, he uses red and blue cards and stacks them up against each other. If you have red, you have to have blue and it's kind of this counterbalance and until he takes them away and it's nothing but red, you know, Oh, yep. but it's beautifully done. Yeah. It is. It, it, it never at any point is it condescending. In fact, as an audience at that point, we're like, tell me more about yeah. nuclear uh, power. Exactly. This also brings up my major, yes. major gripe with this thing. Those cards in that courtroom scene, on the red and the blue are words. They are written in Russian. When military things roll through the cities and they're telling us to evacuate, it's spoken in Russian. Every TV thing is in Russian with English subtext. Every time you see a sign, it's in Russian, yet the actors speak with English accents. Yes. Why? I speaking in English is one thing they could have even done, you know, the thing that's in hunt for red October where, Hey, we're going to have the people speak English, by the way, here, what we're, so what we're going to do is this scene goes on. Someone's going to turn and it's going to zoom to their mouth. They're speaking Russian. And when we pull out, they're speaking English, but with yeah. Russian accents, very clever way to say, by the way, we're now going to speak like this. You don't even have to do that. If they, these Jared Harris, this man has been on mad men. Yeah. This man was in the terror, which was a fine, fine uh, show that was on AMC, which they just released the second season trailer of the day. And it's very spooky. Go watch it. The still in Skarsgård, an amazing actor. They, and on Emily Watson, yes. they could have, all of these people, even if it was just slightly, you know, my Texas accent is different from other Texas, Texas accents. They don't have to all be deep, but they could have spoken with at least some dialect that sounds like Russian speaking English. Yeah. And I, to me, it's, it's, it's a, it's a detrimental thing. It takes this from being a 10 on a scale of 10 to about an eight and a half, a nine. It, wow. it really, to me, it smacks of, you didn't think this one through, you didn't trust your actors. Yeah, for me, I I don't know how much that that um, that played into my mind. Um, and you've got a you've got a better ear and eye for that. Uh, I I think for me now I would the little nod kind of like the hunt for Red October would have been nice. Um, but for me again too, if you're gonna have some subtitles and tell us what's going on, why not tell us? And and maybe it's because as he's putting the cards up, he's saying what it represents. But you know, at least being able to read it or see it would have been nice as well. Um, and it's I don't a, so much mind that, that I can't read it. I uh, just don't don't give me the envelope of you're in Russia. Everything's written in Russia. Everything you're going to hear that isn't important to you knowing is in Russian. Yeah. Yet they're going to speak like they're from, you know, Western Wales. <laughs> right. Very true. Very true. And how weird is it that his, uh, his character in the, in the method that he dies, did you know that mirrors Mad Men? Oh, it does. I didn't even think about yeah. that. You're absolutely right. Like he's, he's going like, can I get one script where, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Wait, you that. want me to do that again? God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, great. Fine. I'll just climb up on this chair again. 
Um, or you can think of the casting director that went, hey, man, when he dies. Oh, yeah. Jared Harris killed that scene in <laughs> Mad Men, literally. Yes. Now, nice. I, I, I want to be very fair about something, too. The, sure. the Emily Watson character, what I thought was a brilliant stroke was in the final, you know, five minutes, they actually show the real people. They talk about the real yes. things. And it says about her, and I'd read this before, that she is not a real person. She instead is oh, the yes. amalgam of all the scientists. And they show these, all these scientists, like on a bus. Here's why you do that. I, you know, I fought with people before. Oh, the, the book's better because God, these characters. Yeah. yeah. got, you got in this one, you got five hours. There were 30 scientists on there. You can't introduce 30 characters. And it also becomes who's that, who's that, who's that has, who's that yeah. instead. Give me one character who is working to do this and to then come back and go, Hey, boldly, she wasn't real. She represented these people masterstroke on their part. Just you, you negate all that BS that you hear from the people that criticize that type of thing and saying, we couldn't show you all these people. She represents every one of them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't agree with you more on that. And, and I had forgotten cause it has been a while since I've seen it, um, that they, that they decided to do that. And, um, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a great way to pair uh, to 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 educate, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. If we would have been, you know, a bunch of people running around, um, and yeah, which doctor came up with what, and who's this guy, and everything, condensing it down to one was a was a genius move. You could argue that maybe instead of one, they could have done two or three, and I think you could have done that, but. Still, it was their choice to go with one instead of three. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the rule is when you do dramatic scenes that you can have a, a sole character, but they usually need something to throw off of somebody. And I thought she could have had those things. But still, what a great choice. What a great actress to put there. Emily Watson is a fantastic yes. actor, and she really handles everything she does beautifully. The scene in question where I said about the, 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 fa the face had melted off, the camera simply looming up on her almost as though we're just on the other side of the bed where the man in question is laying. We never see him, but the horror, and it's a very simple horror, like the almost, I can't look down horror. Yeah. She is masterful in that moment. I thought they did those scenes very respectful too. I thought they, I thought I they, did too. they needed to show it, but, but not like you said, not necessarily 100%. So, well, even, even in the scenes with the firefighter's wife where she's going to see her husband yeah. and he, she knows he's dying and he looks horrible. I thought, you know, I, I don't know that I could look at my wife in that way. If she were that way, I think I would have to leave the room. I would be so aghast by the what what's happened to my wife. But for her to sit there and lovingly stay with him. Yeah. And, you know, that seems to be pretty factual because the things that happened to her, they even talk at the end that that moment affected her in this way. Yeah. What a beautifully done scene, not overwrought, just an actor being with another and conveying love. Beautifully done. Yes, I agree. Uh, that's Chernobyl. That's on HBO. Uh, make sure you check it out. Um, I will go, we'll give it a big ding there. Um, thanks again for joining us. Todd, you got any, got any final words or anything before we duck on out? Well, from now on, we know that if I stupidly forget my charger again, it only takes about 43% of a battery to do yeah. an episode. So we are rock solid, brother. We're doing good. Thanks again uh, for your time and joining us uh, on the show. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in less than a week. Me too. I cannot wait. We're going to have a great time. 
uh, hanging out there. We'll take some pictures, get those up on Instagram and Twitter. So uh, for Todd, myself, thank you for joining us on The Other Kind Radio. Uh, we will be off next weekend, but then we'll be returning um, the next week and back with more fun Other Kind Radio. Please, again, take time to rate us, like us, send us an email. We'd like to hear from you. The other. From the studios in Omaha, Nebraska, that's going to do it for this episode. Folks, remember, we are The Other Kind Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Talk Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Talk Radio. The Other Kind Radio. Talk radio. The other kind of radio.